Blog Talk Radio. providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations like we're going to have today, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help people live with the disease, not as it. Together, we can all find new purpose. At our core, Alzheimer's Speaks is extremely collaborative, and we know that by being collaborative and working together, we are going to be able to win this battle against dementia. And I know that it's working because we were honored with the recognition from ShareCare and Dr. Oz as being the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's. And that didn't happen at our hand. That happened by yours. So I want to thank each and every one of you for liking us, sharing, um, tweeting. All of your little clicks, all those things that just take us a second to do are extremely powerful. And so each time you go ahead and like the show, you're pushing it out to your sphere of influence. And so many times we have no idea who's in our circle that is dealing with this disease. Again, because of the stigmas, people aren't talking about it. But the more we can push the knowledge and the information and the support out to them, the faster they're going to be able to tap into it when they're ready. So, again, I want to thank you for for all of your support over the years for Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. We'd also love you to join our show today, and you can easily do that by calling in live at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757, or you can always use the chat box, and we would love to love to hear your comments or your questions, uh, whatever it is uh, that uh, that you want to say regarding the conversation today. So before I introduce our guests, and I also have a new co-host that's going to be joining me on the show, I, I'd like to give a shout-out to a few organizations. And the first one is the Alzheimer's uh, Disease International. They are the association of all Alzheimer's associations around the world. Um, many refer to them as ADI, and they are just a fantastic place to go to find out you know where's an organization close to you they also have their their fingertip on global results and what's going on <clears throat> around the world so just a great place for research the alzheimer's studies 
um, or you can go to the Alzheimer's team. Um, we'll give you information on a couple of clinical trials. One is for a brand new one for frontal temporal lobe. The other is a uh, trial on tau, which is in its third clinical trial. Um, and then a lot of people are looking for holistic approaches, and the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation does a nice job with holistic approaches, talking about nutrition and exercise and meditation. They also have a contest going on for Father's Day through the end of the month. I want to say it's through the 29th. And so you can uh, go to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, submit your story about your dad, and uh, in a picture and uh, see if you can go ahead and win their contest. Other people are dealing with certain types of dementia, and there are, are many, many types of dementia, but um, a couple of them that people really um, need specific information on are Lewy body and the frontal temporal lobe dementia. And both of those associations have just tons of resources for you because each is just a little bit different um, from the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, so I would highly recommend checking out those. And then there's also the, na uh, the National Aphasia Association. So when people are having a difficult time speaking, great, great resources there. Um, many people ask about becoming an advocate, how do they get involved, and I would love to see you all um, reach out and become a Purple Angel supporter. The Purple Angel is the new global symbol for dementia. We'd like to see that as well known and as well embraced as the pink ribbon for breast cancer. Individuals and companies alike can all participate in that, and that's one of the cool things about it. And then I always like to mention just a couple of um recreational um, engagement pieces. One is Music First with Choral Health. Uh, they write prescriptions for music uh, that help change mood. So they can help put someone to sleep, help wake them up, make it a little easier to eat, um, remove some agitation, um, all kinds of things. It's a, it's a fascinating company, and that's Choral Health, C-O-R-O Health. And then the last two I want to mention is Puzzle With Me and Jiminy Wicket. Puzzle With Me was designed to be specific for people with Alzheimer's. It's um, adult-friendly, bigger pieces, yet fewer pieces to put together. And Jiminy Wicket is a croquet game that can be used international, um, intergenerationally. Um, as well as for family use, it's a great uh, it's a great way to educate our young. And they have programs where they'll go into the schools and actually match the the kids up with a memory care unit where they play one on one croquet. And it's it's quite fascinating and a lot of fun. So let me go ahead and talk about our show here today because I am so excited about our guests. And I'm also excited about having my new co-host join me. Um, my co-host is Michelle Remold, and she is uh, she's an intern of mine, and she has just been doing amazing work. I've been so blessed to have Michelle with me. She also works at the Northfield Senior Center as an administrative coordinator. So welcome, Michelle. How are you today? Good. 
Well, good, good, good. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our our guests here. Um, we are so privileged today to have Australia join us on the line here. Uh, Colin McDonald is the service manager for um, Uniting Care Aging at Starrett Lodge in um, in Australia, and Colin. Colin has had a long career in age services and put with particular interest in person-centered care, especially for those with dementia. And his work is incredible. He has received multiple awards, and people around the world are really taking notice of his work. Um, in fact, one professor at the University of, of Washington School of Medicine and Dementia Care Research and Consulting uh, Sue Borson showed his his film Finding the Way Enabling Active Participation in Life in Aged Care and she said it was the hit of the meeting and the feedback has just been rolling in and it's uh, fantastic and I, I have to agree I have been pushing out the film and talking about it to everybody I can and um, all the comments um, over and over again, have been wow. This this is really something. So, welcome, Colin. How are you today? I'm good, very good, thank you. And it's so good to be uh, able to speak with you on uh, on this fantastic um, radio um, show. Well, good, good. I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce your 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 sidekick here, Corinne. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mander started her career in Australian television and kind of in the drama industry and working behind the camera. And um, she worked on some of Australia's biggest hits like uh, Rush, uh, City Homicide, Underbelly, Singers, Winners and Losers, um, Steven Spielberg's The, The Pacific, and also the feature film Knowing, starring Nicolas Cage. So she's a very well-connected. Today, she's the producer of Fire Films, um, which is a production company she founded in 2003, which specializes in medical health and well-being video production. Um, her producing experience um, covers both live action and animation over a wide range of industries, including health, retail, food, government, sports, manufacturing, sales, and not-for-profits, and more. She currently has a script in development for medical crime, uh, for a medical crime, I can't talk here, I am tongue-twisting, so sorry, Corinne, <laughs> medical crime drama series. So welcome, Corinne. How are you today? Thank you. I'm well. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, good. I I am just so impressed at the work that you guys did. What we're going to do here is kind of ping pong back and forth between Michelle and I asking you guys questions. And with radio, it can always get a little tricky so that we're not talking over one another. So we'll we'll point a question to one, but um, we also want either of you to be able to jump in as well. We just have to kind of pause a second there. And we also want our audience to participate. So, again, if you have a question or a comment as we're talking, Again, feel free to call in to 
657 or use the chat box. So, Colin, I'm going to throw the first question out to you, and I, I just always like to ask this of, of all of our um, uh, all of our guests. Have you personally been touched by a dementia, either with a family member or a friend? Yeah, both family and friends. Um, yeah, my um, my uncle and then also uh, a friend of mine. So, but I've I've been in this game now for a long time, and it was one of my first passions so long ago when I saw people um, treated like you know they were in a psychiatric hospital basically when they had dementia, and and I thought that many many years ago that we can do and improve their quality of life by treating them more as a person rather than the disease. Uh, it's it's been long, long, long passion of mine to look after and and try and work out ways to make sure the personhood of the of the person living with dementia is is valued and their self esteem is improved. Wonderful, thank you. Corinne, uh, have you um really touched with a dementia um, either family or friends? Yes, uh, my nan has been living with dementia for the last seventeen years actually, and her mother had dementia as well. So I've seen not only the effects uh, that it's had on my nan, but also what my family's had to go through in caring for her for such a long time as well and, and seeing the different care that she's received. It's, it's nothing compared to Star at Lodge. So it was really great to, um, yeah, to be a part of that and, and learn about different things as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wonderful. Colin, now you've been working in aged care, you know, for some time. Can you tell us how you developed this new model of care and what do you call it? Well, it's called, basically, um, I started studying and looking at relationships and years ago I started taking people in community day centres to schools and seeing how they interacted and improved their lives and stopped people from getting, just who were living in communities, depression and isolation and things uh, which contributes to, to, to dementia. Um, so it was something that I saw that by if you put people together and you start to have normal lives, then it can change people and give them self-esteem and it's just not um, the cognitive impact that it has on people and improving that, but it's also about their self-worth. So... Uh, it it was evolving it's taking years to look at and reading kitwood was um a leader in personhood so i studied his work um i did my masters in health science which is basically in um in uh, person centered care and um looking after people living with dementia so it was about a lot of research and then putting it into practice rather than just reading it and not putting it into practice. So it's about human agency and, and understanding that people are self-organising and they're self-regulating and self-reflecting and we have to understand that. They're just not onlookers in life, they're their participants in life and not just recipients of care. So when you start to look at those things and develop those things and then have little goals to start with to show people who normally work in aged care and look at them and see that there's tasks that have to be done and performed that once they start giving back it's called reciprocity so if people start giving and they don't get back then they stop giving so you've got to invent ways to make sure that you can untap and get the key to open that person and once you do that whether it's with children whether it's with music whether it's with sound whether it's with whatever things because the senses are so important for someone living with dementia you know touch sense feel um, all those things, those, those beautiful senses, love, 
it changes people's perception and so then they start to give back and then they start to realise these people have got abilities and they can act quite normally and once that happens then they start to think what can I do next and that's how it evolves so from changing the environment first because the the environment is the basics of what I think of how you can change a person's life it encourages more visitors encourages more relatives to come once that happened then children started to come in so we started to observe um, we had more children visiting, so then we set up a, a child daycare centre in our um, dementia-specific unit, memory unit, and it evolved. So the people who were living there, you know, 90s, um, just keep living. <laughs> and, and then they start to play with um, the kids and they forget their own daughters and stuff like that and rather go out and play with kids. We put in play, play areas for the kids to come so they... You know, there's things to talk about when they come. It's not just sitting there thinking, what the hell am I going to say, you know? So it just it lets them lead the conversation rather than you have to start a conversation. So they get their self-worth back again. They get their agency and they're contributors in life. Wonderful. Do you have a, do you have a specific name for the program or is it... Is it just really more of a concept and you haven't needed Yeah, it's a concept, but it's basically relationships, how you form relationships. And and the relationships is between um, the person, the manager, the staff you work with, the relatives. Um, We're all one team. So, uh, and the people living here, you know. And and when we first started to, and it's getting rid of the stigma of people living with dementia, we have four houses here, and it's, it's combined by a linkway. So there's four houses of 15 people living in each house. One is dementia-specific. So uh, normally the so-called cognitive people wouldn't go down there because you might get the virus, so you might get dementia. But once the children started coming in, uh, then the other people wanted to go down and play with the children. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they had to go into that unit. So then they went in and they saw that the people living there are just completely normal, even though they weren't segregated before, so they still participated. But once they went in there, all these other people, they saw these people were no different to them. So that helped more integration of the whole of the place became one. So and then they started to take on buddies and things. So the so-called more cognitively intact people started looking after and doing things, which led to our bucket list program. So it just evolved. So when you start to do things and look at how can you inspire someone to live and not to just exist then everyone likes to share in that. It's an excitement that starts and it just doesn't stop. So they keep looking for something else to do to get another high. So it's that reason to live, the why. Um, why should I still be here? You know. So it's inspiring people to do things and that's what Uniting Care, who I work for, is about, is inspiring people to, um, to live um, and not just exist. So it, it evolves. So there's only really no name. There's a whole lot of concepts about person-centred care, relationships, all sorts of things, but it's just basically them taking control of their own lives and saying, I'm going to do this. It's about choice and decision-making. It's about agency. Um, So they're having a say. Uh, It's self-efficacy and how they can show that they can do things. It's choice and decision-making. So whatever you want to call it, it's about life. It's about you and me having a relationship and a conversation now and them doing the same and saying, well, I want to go and do this. I actually even did a nude calendar. Um, some of the people who had, you know, they, <laughs> uh, it was a pretend nude calendar. They were very had things very delicately um, placed, <laughs> but, 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 but it's that excitement that they, they, you know, and they didn't tell me they were going to do that till after they've done it. So, so they're, they're the things that they start now. The bucket list is they're jumping out of parachutes and they're going in helicopter rides and 
And one of the most exciting and lovely things is the lady with, um, she's had a CBA, a stroke, can't walk, she's confined to a wheelchair. And it's about collaboration. So we use the community and bring the community in a lot. So um, we have uh, in our in our courtyard finches, a finch aviary. So that's looked after and helped with the finch society. So um, we pe- get people to come in and help, and then it becomes a community. They're not isolated from the community. So this lady in the wheelchair, she's going to the beach. She's, she all she ever wanted to do is after her stroke is go back to the beach, but she can't walk. So we've got the Surf Life Saving Association. Do you have those in America where they, you know, the bronze people that stand on the beach and make sure people don't drown? Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah, like Baywatch. Baywatch. Yeah, like Baywatch. Um, <laughs> uh, without Pamela Anderson. And um, so they're going, to, they, they're going to pick her up and take her to the beach with their little special buggy they drive up and down. So she'll be able to stand with her feet in the sand and feel the sand and watch the ocean. And and then go and have a beautiful seafood meal at a restaurant. You know, they're not big things, but to them they're big and important, and that gives them a reason to live. And then they, the other people, and they raise their own money to do this. So then they share. So when they come back and they start talking about it, everyone's involved in that beautiful feeling, you know. So it just grows and grows and grows, and it forms a community. So um, I, okay. I better let Corinne have a... I'll talk forever and, and carry okay, on, well. so... Thank you. Thank you. Curran, you originally were going to study medicine but changed your mind and went into television. Uh, what was the draw? Well, maybe because I'm a little crazy, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm not really sure. I, for most of my life, I I wanted to do something to do with health and well-being. And I guess when you're a kid, you think, well, I'm going to be a nurse or I'm going to be a doctor. And then as I got older and was finishing high school, I thought, "Mm, it's not quite what I want to do. I really want to work in TV. So I told my teachers and they were like, what? What are you doing? And I said, no, no, it's right. I'm running off to film school. (laughs) And um, so from finishing high school to now, which is about mm, over 10 years now, I started out working in TV, as you mentioned before, and now I feel like I've come full circle because I'm back doing the um, medical videos as well and also writing the TV show. So I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm combining the two passions together. and So it's great. I love where I'm at right now and I'm doing what I love doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that that's wonderful that you you really kind of listen to your inner voice and where you want to be, and it's interesting that you're also incorporating kind of the, the health care edge, you know, with it all as well. So so I applaud you. That's a that's a scary thing to do. Um you. you know, to to change and um really listen to yourself and, and I think it's those change makers that make a difference in the world, you know, because the passion is there and I mean you can see that in, in your film production. It's just stellar. Um, it's it's absolutely stellar. Can I just jump in there a bit, Laurie? I, sure. I've worked with I work with quite a few people. They come up here and they make a lot of videos and things for training for education. And and when Corinne came, Kathy Greenblatt, Professor Kathy Greenblatt, invited Corinne up here. She came and um, and I'd like to honour Kathy Greenblatt. She came here um, from uh, Alzheimer's Australia, invited to come out and do a, a, a 
present her love, lots and laughter um, films, photos and things, exhibition around Australia. So before that exhibition, she came out here to take some Australian content and she came here one day and then uh, said, oh, I've got to come back here. So, um, she, so she spent a, a couple of days here but then came back... Um, yeah, about twelve months, I think. Later was it? I think I think Corinne, yeah, and, and stayed a week here, and then a week at another place up in Queensland. And it was her. We wouldn't be talking now if it wasn't for Kathy. So, so she saw that this sort of thing. Her ethos is to make sure that people are shown in a positive way. She won't go to a place and take photos of negative images of people living with dementia. It's all about positive and living and growing and people can still grow and learn even if they've got dementia so they recognize faces they can remember things and they can do things if you have permanent staff and one of the the hits of this sort of program is that staff don't leave staff don't turn over so there's no agency staff and that creates a family so when Kathy came she saw that and and Sue Borson as well uh, and then she brought Corinne up um, because she worked on the Love, Loss and Laughter film that was put out by um, Alzheimer's Australia. And Corinne just knew intuitively how to film that. That was shot on one day, That um, um, Finding the Why was shot just on one day, one take, no script, no nothing. It was just... Wow. Uh, we just kind of made it up as we went. Yeah, just Corinne wow. uh, intuition and uh, away we went. So um, basically that's how we live here and that's what happened. But she had that intuitive knowledge of how to capture that and I think that's because of how she's looked after her nin and that's the love you know the love's got to come into it people are a bit scared of saying that word a lot in in um, healthcare, I think but the love is the most important concept of uh, looking after people well you know you just gave me a perfect segue because my next question was one of the things that I think most companies really struggle with is building a talented and high performance team and how did you you know how did you do that and it sounds like you really approached it from a loving fashion in terms of how do you want to live how how would you like your loved ones to be cared for um can you can you tell us a, a little bit more on how you developed your your teams to buy into this yeah exactly like that um we pick pick people on days and upskill them so um um we have a lot of students come through here, so we watch them. Uh, and then if we need somebody, then uh, we pick the people who can communicate, who can uh, have respect and dignity for others and show that as, while they're training. And then if they need skills, um, we give them the skills. We train them and put them through courses and things like that. But it's basically based on values. And we've got some really good um, people here who have seen and grown and stayed. So no one leaves, basically, unless they're going for promotions and things. So there's no ever, ever very little turnover. And the more you do this and the better you do this in aged care, the less turnover you get. So if, you, um, if, you, if people don't do this, then normally there's a, a 25% leave the aged care each year in Australia. So there's a turnover of one-third. It's higher than the average for the healthcare and social industry in Australia. So if that happens and that that continues, and by 2050 it'll cost $5 billion per year just to replace staff. They reckon they need 980,000 workers by you know, 2050 um, with the increase in people living longer, the increase in dementia. So you've got to do something different. And why not have fun while you're doing that? So 
and, and treat people with respect. So basically that's what it's about. And, and it's about walking your talk, showing your values, listening to people. The language they use is really important. So we concentrate on how they say things, you know. So it's not, I'm going down to the dementia unit, or I'm not going down there and, and I'm not going to feed these people, you know. You feed chooks and ducks, you don't feed people. They enjoy a meal. Um, so that's what the language is 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 you know encouraged right through the place and uniting care has got that concept of, of respect you know it's one of the largest providers of aged care in new south wales but it also wants to be the, known as one of the best so, so and it is so um rather than just being the largest um we're making sure that this sort of concept of person-centered care is high on our agenda and it's about staff and it's a spirituality, the, whether you want to call that religion or whatever else, but it's it's that faith base that these are human beings with dignity and they should be treated with respect. Um, and it just happens and it grows and grows and grows. And once you see it, it's just you walk in and you can feel it. You know, And there's flexibility, so the more flexibility you have, the more sense of control you have, the more well-being and um, improved behaviours for both staff and and for um, the people you care for. It also stops workers' compensation, so it becomes quite cost-effective, you know, so people don't get injured as much, so because um, they're not upset, so, you know, a lot of workers' compensation comes from people's low morale. Um, Mm -hmm. And we encourage them to take risks, so they can go out and play with things and do things and know that within reason they're allowed to do it and experiment, so... Um, it's not just the same old routine every day. They can go and do things, and and it works really well. Well, it sounds like you've really put the the people back into the care, where I think I know anyways here in the U.S., we've gotten so task-oriented that people get into health care because they think they're a people person, but then it's nothing about the person. It's all about the task, and it sounds like yeah. you've really Well, the research Laurie shows about that, and it's, it's worse if you're younger because you haven't got living skills. So if you put someone young into a area where someone's like in, into a unit where people, majority have got uh, living with dementia, then it's that reciprocity that, that, that they try to give to start with. But then if it's a, a, a task oriented environment, they don't get any back because the people there are, are feeling what the staff and the way they're doing things. <clears throat> so older people... Of course, they've got more living skills, can cope with that a bit better, but basically it's the same thing. <clears throat> if you don't do things and treat people with respect, then you stop giving after a while. You get burnout, you know, and that's why people leave. They get burnout. So it's about inspiring people and inspiring the staff to live with inspiring people they're looking after. And then that burnout process doesn't take place. So that's how task oriented you can change that around. When people start to see, and if you give them the environment, they've got different options to go and uh, and try things. So if someone does start to get a bit anxious and, and and wants to walk around and do things, then you've got places to go to, you know, So uh, and do things. So you're not crammed into this one room with the TV going and the radio going and all that sort of business, and, and it leads on to more challenging, you know, uh, types of events. So it's that whole concept of... Um, looking after staff, looking after families, and the families are just important. They're even, you know, they're, they're number one. They're part of the team, so they become your best allies. So, uh, and you get the history from those people as well. So once they start to see 
that their loved ones are starting to have fun and the staff are having fun, then they become relatives again rather than carers. <clears throat> they can come in and see and not have to worry that you know they're, they're going to be sitting in a chair or something like that all day. They, they can see, that, you know, and we have videos, lots of things of <clears throat> people enjoying themselves. And we have nights and functions with the relatives that come in. So we have, you know, rock and roll nights where you can see 50 walking frames outside, and I call them Harley Davidsons lined up in the corridor, but inside they're up dancing, you know, to Elvis Presley music and stuff like that. So, And the family join in, and we have karaoke nights and, and barbecue nights. and So it becomes a community, and that way it just works, you know. It's, 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 it stops all that task-orientated stuff. Very nice. Now, we do have um, a few people on the line, and I just want to um, mention if you want to ask a question or if you have a comment, you have to push one so that I know because some people just call in and listen that way. Um, so if you if you have a question or a comment, please use the chat box or push one, and it will pull you into the conversation. Um, Michelle, I think you had a question, too, for, for Colin. I do. Um how were you able to influence and collaborate internally and externally to build professional relationships and to achieve mutually beneficial outcomes for everybody? Communication. Um, my uh, Uniting Care um, executive are happy to um, participate and explore collaborations. Uh, we do a lot of work with universities um, and the community. So I ring around. Basically, uh, firstly with my executive, uh, who were very supportive, and then we go and get on the Google or we get on the phone and we say, uh, we've got these people, um, we want to do this. I, for the Finch Society in particular, you know, we I ring about four different bird groups and I finally got someone who was keen, um, and then and actually it was it worked out because we also have focus groups with the people living with dementia and also their families about what they would really like so that sort of sends a message of where we go and look so we'll find out what they want to do and then we'll go and chase that group so people in this area grew up with finches so we got finches we had fish to start with um and then fish go and hide under rocks they're not very not very sociable creatures fish but birds are much more social. So we got a, a, a collaboration with the Finch Society, then with, uh, with the bucket list, with the hire card people, with the universities. Um, so it just goes on and on and on. It's just about getting out there and getting known and communicating. We, I go to some conferences and talk at different places so you get to know people. Then they want to come and, and look and explore. So once people start to see some good things happening, other people just... It just it just grows that people want to do good things. That's nature, you know. So the more you can do good things and people want to share, then the more collaboration to do that happens. It just it's like a a snowball. It just starts to roll down the hill and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then mm -hmm. the local papers pick it up, and then the papers advertising it. So when well, our people with dementia wrote a book, you know, we couldn't print enough, you know. So they they were sold out, you know. Uh, and then we had to make some more prints and stuff like that, you know, because people in the community read it in the papers. So it happens. Well, They're just being part of a community. Too funny. You're like reading my mind because I wanted to ask you. You've been published in so many, so many levels. Um, you know, so many different journals, and you've been on you know TV and radio, um, at national and international conferences and stuff. What kind of impact are you know are you seeing when you get out there and you talk? What kind of response are you getting from people with what you're doing? <laughs> 
Ah, oh, it's exciting. Actually, you know, when you start talking to academics and uh, um, and things like that, it's it's about their work being put into practice. Because I asked a couple of one of my good friends, is Professor Rhonda Nay, who's been a campaigner for years, like Kathy Greenblatt, um, for person-centred care and for dignity with people living with dementia. And I said to her one day, you know, I'm not a professor at academic. Why do you invite me down here to Melbourne to talk to these people? She said, because, Colin, you're doing it, basically. And it's not me, it's my team, and it's Uniting Care. But, it, you know, research is done, and it's not put into practice for nine to ten years afterwards, if that at all. So, uh, and one of the funniest things when I was presenting, and we were talking about the babies, one academic said, where do you get babies from? So I had to try and politely tell her, you know, where babies come from with <laughs> <laughs> And not be too silly, but uh, <laughs> and babies come from, <laughs> and then how you <laughs> and how you stop risk. People worry about risk, then you know. So um, the risk of babies, and I said, what's the risk of babies if you go and visit your grandmother? You know, what's the risk? You just make sure there's nothing on the floor, and they can't break glasses and things like that, and you wash your hands, and that's the risk, you know. So and then the people pick them up, love them, and read them books, and. Some of the most beautiful things happen, and the memories come back. You know, one lady, uh, and you, some of the film clippage, you make, it makes you cry. And one lady would say, "I've never been married, and I've never, never had any children." And her daughter would come up, drive halfway up, start to think about, "I'm going to get that reaction," and cry and turn around and go back. And we introduced the babies in the children's program in, and I said, "Come and see what your mother does." And she said, "Oh, Colin, I can't." I said, "Just come up and have a look." And she sat down beside her and for the first time when the baby was put on her knee, she said, God, I held his daughter's hand and said, hello, darling, how are you? That was the first time, you know, in five years that that lady said that and recognised her daughter. And that made that made my life, you know, that was such... It's making me teary right now. <laughs> that was such an inspiring thing, you know. So that's what happens and that's what that memory is still there. That's an implicit memory and you just have to find the key. You know, no matter what it is, you can find the key. And they're looking for um, a reason to be here. They're looking for what am I doing there. And when you start to give them things they're familiar with, that includes the environment, the, the furniture, everything, the lights, all that sort of stuff that's just out there. Everyone knows about it, but no one implements it. You know, it's like I say, if you go into into the clubs in 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 Sydney or somewhere like that where they're called Return Servicemen's League, they play music from the 60s and they do the dances of the 60s because they're catering to their clients because those are the type of age group that still go there. But we, in aged care, we make it so foreign for people to come in. It's like a sterile environment that, they, you know, no one would know how to live there and enjoy life. So that's pretty simple, really. So, Colin, how you know? Because for you, it seems like it's really natural to you know you, you're you're very creative and you're very open and able to identify different opportunities. How can you help those that that doesn't come as easy to them? They like things more black and white and structured. What would your advice be to them? Uh, just explore. <laughs> Try little things, steps first, one thing at a time. Get a little wins so you can show staff that um, you can make change. Um, first, you've got to look at yourself, you know, and when I do a little talk, it's about accepting who you are and what you do and how you look at yourself. So there's a great photo you can get it's called Sensation and Perception and it's a cat looking in the mirror and what you look in the mirror at, you see a line coming back. 
Um, so it's about knowing, you know, um, your human senses and and what's your own bias and prejudice and beliefs. So you have to look at yourself. Uh, and if you're a leader, you have to look at yourself to see what am I portraying, what am I putting out there, what's my body language. So if you want to change something, you've got to look at yourself first and start to realise, do I really believe in this? Or am I just mouthing this off, you know? So am I in the cat looking in the mirror and seeing a line? Or am mm-hmm. I going to be honest about my service or what I'm trying to do? And I think that's the most important part. Look at yourself first and then look at the reality of life. What's it really like to take a real good stock take of what's going on and how how people present, how many families come and visit, uh, how involved are they, and then which steps first can we do? And you... And it's best to start doing with some baseline. So if you identify an issue, measure what's going on first because a lot of people don't evaluate properly in aged care. So it's about measuring some some behaviours. And we did that when we started with the environment. We used the Cornell Depression uh, Scale, the, the um, Cohen-Mansfield Agitation Scale. We did lots and lots of measures to measure what was going on beforehand. And then we changed the environment and then we measured later. And we changed agitation and, and behaviours by 47% just by changing the the environment and making it more user-friendly. And, and that then led to other things. So uh, that was a paper that was published and it was um, very well received. So people come up and see that and actually see, and we have lots and lots of visitors now just coming to see how you can actually do that, what it looks like, um, mm-hmm. and how they're living. They're living. They're living. You know, They're not existing. They're living. And they participate and they make decisions and they've got choice. Uh, if they want to sleep in, they sleep in, you know. And they do all that, and staff are allowed, and they know that's what happens. So if someone's had a bad night, and you had someone who lived through a war and was bombed, and the house was bombed, and the two brothers were killed, and they're up in the middle of the night reliving that, you know, then why wouldn't you let them sleep in, you know? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. understanding the history of that person and what's going on in their life and what they're reliving, um, and then how you overcome that. Um, and it's just about knowing the person and knowing knowing the staff. And then the staff getting to know that it's so important to know the history of the person and the family. And, and, and my, guess is, my guess is, too, is that you have to feel comfortable um, failing or, or not succeeding. And I don't even like yes, the word yes, failure. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. I think well, so many it, people... Mm-hmm. It's like the fish tank, Laurie. You're exactly right. The fish tank was a 10-foot fish tank we put outside. So we put things outside in the garden. It's called where... My presentation is called Where's the Flowers? Because there's not many flowers in our garden. It's a whole lot of different things. It's memory boxes, it's finches, it's uh, raised viewing platforms so they can look out over the mountains and uh, and there's uh, raised garden beds which become seats and there's children's play areas and water features and a pile of wood with an axe in it. Um, like in most Australian backyards, there used to be an axe in a pile of wood. That's what they did. Um, all that sort of stuff which is familiar in the backyard. And I know in America that 67% of your gardens are not used because they actually can't get out the door. That's the research. So, <laughs> you know, so they can't find the door and they can't get outside the door. So, um, you know, the most important things when you're doing that is to make sure people can actually find their way in and out and actually the door is not locked. Um, and then you could go on from there, you know, so, yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Now, your your film, Finding the Way, Enabling Active Participation. Finding the Why. The Why. The Why, Laurie. It's the oh, why. the Why. I said, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. Thank you Finding for correcting the why. me. Finding the yeah. Why. Um, W-H-Y. Yeah. Why the list. It <laughs> yeah. comes from the Nitschke saying, the why, not the how. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, can you tell us, um, you know, how did you get connected originally? You know, you had mentioned Professor uh, Kathy Greenblatt here in the U.S. How did how did you guys get connected to begin with? Alzheimer's Australia brought Kathy out, and um, one of our executives suggested that Alzheimer's look for sites to come and take some photos of while she was here to get Australian content for her exhibition. So mm-hmm. they brought her here one afternoon just to see how she was going, had you know what the place was like, and um, she raced out and got a camera and started taking photos straight away because she just walked in unannounced basically and saw what we were up to and people in our our place were having lots of fun. Um, so she started clicking then and then she came back on Saturday. We had a family fun day already organised, so we had lots of animals and families and all sorts of things here. So um, she spent the day with us here. Then she just wanted to come back, so then the University in um, Wollongong invited her back to do some talks. Um, so she planned to stay here for a week and she brought Sue Borson with her. Um, and then they stayed and then just captured what happened for the week and organised for... Um, for beautiful Corinne to come up and she came one day and then we did that finding the why in that one day and um <laughs> which was amazing and then um and that's Kathy's got other things planned for the future of um using some of that film and some other work she did in Australia and Arca and um to promote once again the destigmatisation of people living with dementia. So hopefully um, that'll take place, and I'll, and she's trying to get us together, including yourself, uh, yeah. in um, in another you know by the end of this year to try and make a, a multimedia presentation of that people can live and still have a positive life. Yeah, and my saying, yeah, yeah, my my saying, you live to your, you know, you live to your die, happened because there was a lady who was ninety six, and um, she raced a staff member down the corridor. She was living with dementia like for ten, fifteen years, having the time of her life. Used to go to, we used to take people out to preschools too. We take people out to preschools uh, who live with dementia, and it's, they like they go to go into a job. They they work. So on the way home, they talk about all the jobs they had to do. It's just giving people a purpose to live. So she raced this staff down. She said, come on, I'm going to race you. I'm going to beat you down to, Chris- down to breakfast. And she ran down the corridor, sat down, had her breakfast and died. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. And like, so she lived till she died. And uh-huh. that's, where I, that's where I say that, you know. And that the family was so happy and it was rejoiceful. It's not that end stage, you know, where all the heavy stuff starts, you know. So she mm-hmm. lived till she died, and she had fun, and then she died, and it was beautiful, you know. So people can have beautiful deaths with dementia, as like everyone else in life, you know. So um, that's about living till you die. So basically, that's what I think is important. That's um, the why. Why should I still live? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's how we all want to go out, you know, doing doing yeah. what we love, you know. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. Yeah. jumping out of a parachute and landing roughly on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So, Corinne, why do you think the film's been so successful? Well, I think because it's real. Um, it really offers the people a chance to see a type of care that they might not have seen before. So it really opens people's eyes. But I think really a lot of it has to do with Colin's passion, and that's something that a lot of people have commented on to me. That, and In particular, actually, um, my team, the people who worked with me to put the film together, we were talking about it the other day and they said, you know, that one, Colin was just so full of passion and it just came across 
so much on screen. And so it really enabled the audience, I think, to connect with him and to really, I don't want to use these words exactly, but I can't think of the right words, but buy into what he's saying. So really get on his team and and um, and follow on the journey of what the film goes through. So, And, you know, there's also the funny parts as well that and it sort of goes up and down. It is a bit of a journey. There's the part with... Um, Jesse and um, uh, Marcia. I always get her name wrong. Um, she, you know, they had that funny part where they're talking about um, going out to their lunch that they went to and they can't quite hear each other. And so, you know, it injects a little bit of humour along the way because it's it's not supposed to be a sombre topic. It's, it's a chance to celebrate old age, really, um, and mm-hmm. support old age. It's not about, you know helping people sit in a chair because they can't do anything and they have no abilities. It's not about that at all. And so I think it really shows that. Um, yeah, I think that's why. Yeah, it's, it's uh, beautifully done. I have a question for you. Um, as a young person, why are you passionate about making films um, on uh, dementia? Well, it really started last year. Um Firstly, I guess because of my nan, because I've seen somebody living with dementia for so long. Um, But last year, I wanted to create a film to enter into an international health short film festival. So I got in touch with Alzheimer's Australia Victoria and I said, I'd like to make a short film and I'd like to make it about dementia. And so they put me in touch with Kathy. And then I made this short film last year called Love, Loss and Laughter, Living with Dementia. And that focused a lot on Kathy's exhibition that Colin was talking about before. And from that, it actually made it into the film festival. So that was great. Um, but then that just led on to a lot more work with Alzheimer's Australia, Vic, um, doing pieces about... Uh, we did one about dementia and driving, so how to have the conversation with somebody if they need to give up driving, um, and some other pieces around HIV and diabetes and and that sort of thing all combined with dementia. So it just sort of evolved and it's just, they're the pieces that I enjoy doing and I'm doing another piece at the moment actually for Arcare about, and that's really about supporting and celebrating old age, which is what I was just talking about before as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I I just like it. I like being able to share that message and helping to decrease the stigma, I guess, um, and making a difference. Well, you definitely, definitely are. And um, you know, the film, the other film that you made with Kathy, the the love, loss, and laughter, is just absolutely incredible as well. So I'm really excited about your your future projects. And please um, feel free to input any links into our resource directory to your work because you just do an incredible job, and that would our our audience would absolutely love that. Um, Thank to be you. Able to I'll share that. Laurie, yeah. if you want to watch a funny film, those two ladies, Marcia and Jessie, <clears throat> uh-huh. they um, there's there's a YouTube YouTube clip of those two, and it's called Two Best Friends Talking About Technology, uh-huh. <clears throat> and they talk about YouTube's and Google's, and so they're asked questions: What's YouTube? What's Google's? And they give you their answers, and it's the most funniest thing that I've ever seen. Those two, and I call Marcia Mafia because she's the <laughs> 
she's the person who goes around. They cook the food, they make breakfast, they make cakes, they make cookies and all that. And that's what pays. So they pay for their own bucket list. So they pay for their own adventures. So it's about <clears throat> be participating from the very beginning. So they raise their money to go out and do their own things, and that's part of the the benefit and the joy of it. So it's something earned. And when someone else receives their work it's like i go to work and and earn money to pay for whatever in my life they do the same so they and she's in charge of sales so you can't go outside this building on thursdays unless you go past mafia and i call her mafia <laughs> like as in mafia and she now recognizes her name as mafia because she's like a standover you just cannot get past without buying two packets of biscuits you know so and then and then <laughs> And she laughs about that. It's a scream. But now, now they've got the staff turning up in mufti gear and things, and they're finding them so they can make more money. And they're just working out how to make more money to do more things quicker. Um, and that's what happens. And it just evolves, you know. So they've got a life. They've got spark, and, and that's just beautiful to see. And to have so be able to have so much fun and come to work and have so much fun is, for all the staff. It's just a joy. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. It's not no, coming to work. Coming for play. Yeah, how are you letting people know about your your film and then also the work that you do? Um, do you have a strategy behind that, or? Um, well, your part. <laughs> it's on your website. <laughs> Alzheimer's Australia, Alzheimer's New South Wales have it on the website. A lot of universities have got it now on their websites and things. Um, and it's like that. Uniting Care Aging is taking a a, a seven group tour to and we're leaving this Friday to come over to your wonderful country Um, and we're looking at different um, models of care so um, three of the directors Um, so we're looking at always looking at how we um, can do things better Um, Uniting Care looks and and cares mostly for people who are are, are not that well off Um, it's a church based organisation not for profit uh, and it's basically um, uh, to look after people who need help um, more so than those who can afford to go out and pay lots of money. So, but that doing that, it's like getting first-class service in a plain and paying economy. So, we want to make sure that we can still give all the things that they deserve and earn and need, um, and can still afford it. Um, so, we're coming for. 12 days to go around America and look at all your different places and do some workshops. Um, so uh, it's a, a big job and it'll be exciting and hopefully we'll be able to um, once again improve and then we'll be able to talk to those people about what we do when we're over there as well and um, and share. And it's about sharing the information and just getting it out there and sharing it, you know, and it's part of what you talked about, the... Um, um, the Purple Angel. I, I loved your music you played at the very beginning. It's very uplifting, actually. So, oh, so the more that the, the more that the, there's more angels and and advocates and ambassadors for people living with dementia and, and aged care, the better. So yep. you do a but great job. I think job. also going back to um, how is it getting out as well. A lot of it it's just through sharing. A lot of people share it in social media and uh, different organisations as well as individuals. And I actually just logged on to YouTube now to see where it's at, how many views. We're almost about to hit 3,000. <laughs> so that's been pretty good. And that's, yeah, I mean, we haven't really 
done any marketing as such, have we, Colin? No, not for this film, but it's yeah. about you know conferences and things we speak at and present, and mm. uh, other people pick it up and use it, like Sue Bornson exactly. and Kathy, and then, then they find the value in it and then they pass it on. Yeah, and then Kathy, yeah. uh, Kathy's next steps. Um, she's got big dreams to try and you know make the world understand it. Um, and quite rightly so, that people can still have a life with dementia. Yeah, that's, well, and if there's anybody out there listening that would like to support these efforts, you know, please please get a hold of us and we'll get you connected because these things do take money to do. And so um, we'd, we'd love to find our own little angel <laughs> to make these projects, yeah. you know, happen even faster because uh, it, it, it does take time and energy and there's, there's so many great things happening. You know, we just have to be able to get them out there. We have to, we have to find the right resources and the right matches, um, you know, for collaborations I think is so critical too. Yeah, we were an overnight success. We were an overnight success, Laura. It's taken ten years to get to. I was just about to say, ten years in the making. Ten years, you know, but that, but that was a lot of trial and error and developing, and and but now you can see the the benefits of it, you know. So for the past five years, that that was really it's been made a change, but now it's just just escalating. Once people can see that you can do this, it it really does. It's infectious. Yeah, I have a question for you, Colin. Um, here in the U.S., we kind of have two different models in terms of how people pursue dementia care, and it's actually our whole healthcare system. But we have the grassroots model that is driven by passion, and then we have the academic medical models, and the two of them don't really work together very well. And I'm wondering if you have those two models in Australia yeah, and yeah. if you run into yeah. the same problem or if you've yeah, yeah. found some way for them to work well together because I'm trying to figure out how to get us to work better together. Yeah. Well, the medical model is um, is, is is not, the, in, in my opinion, is um, the person's social world is ignored basically and experience of people with dementia and neglected and it's past-centered care prevails, so they look at medications, uh, what's the problem, what's the physical diseases, um, they don't look at alternative concepts of memory and memory loss, they're under-investigated, and people with dementia are seen as a burden, uh, rather than the other way, the social model, where you can actually um, see the benefits and, and the abilities of someone, so it's about looking at that first, um, and I know that Sue Bornson has presented at different conferences now, she was in New York and did some, but so depending on uh, on on like so that was a lot of people and I think a lot of doctors um, who were looking at antipsychotics and what can you do to fix things quick rather than look at why would that some person would be exhibiting that behaviour is it too noisy is it too crowded is it too hot are they hungry are they in pain uh, on all those things. Um, uh, are the staff nice? Are they <laughs> respectful? Do they give them dignity and do they give them choice and all those things? And then you don't need um, there's so many antipsychotics. We have hardly any here at all, except mm -hmm. for someone who has hallucinations and it's treated basically for that, not for behaviours. So we don't use chemicals to um, to manage our people. So and, and that's another education thing, and it's that continues. And you just got to show people you can actually do it. And it, it, it's not an overnight thing. It, and we still have that here in Australia. Um, but um, there's lots of conferences about not having a medical model, but it still continues. 
I think that's yeah. a really important point, Colin, around medical care. You know, a lot of people see old age as a sickness and that's not true. It's it's just uh, it's a celebration, really, getting old. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. United Care have a lot of community centres and they're called um, Healthy Living for Seniors. So um, they do a lot of work in trying to keep people who are isolated in their homes to come in and have um, different activities and, and exercise and communication and socialisation and all all those sorts of things, you know, from all various walks of life. Um, so we do a lot of work in the community to try and um, to make sure that... Um, they have a good life as well, so they don't have to come to aged care facilities unless it's really necessary. Are you involved in the movement that dementia—that's actually the dementia-friendly communities movement, or do you, are you just out there kind of doing your thing? Uh, I'm connected in lots of different ways with different universities and things, and Uniting Care is certainly connected. But Alzheimer's New South Wales is looking at community-friendly. Um, uh, dementia societies um, mm-hmm. um, so we do partnerships with Alzheimer's Australia but not in that but with different things um, so we more or less look at trying to look at um, healthy living for seniors and those, all those other programs are being developed now um, that's part of this tour that we're going to America and then part of the development of where we're going to go. From July the 1st in Australia, a whole lot of changes are going to take place in aged care from the federal government who uh, does lots of funding and things in aged care. So there's a whole lot of changes just about to take place. So um, watch this space. There'll be a many, many, many changes. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you feel about social media and the impact of it? Do you think that it's helping break down stigmas and, and get people more connected? Yeah, if it's done positively, I think so. But sometimes it can be negative, you know. So people, it's too easy to come out and see some bad things and uh, and put that online and and make out that's the general norm when it's not, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but when good things are done and and shown, then I think it's good. Uh, I like to commit, com, you know, use social media for connecting people who've got family overseas and things like that. You know, the good old Skype and all that sort of stuff. So that sort of technology, and we work with lots of young university students in the College of Fine Arts, and they design some incredible stuff that can be used. So uh, we go outside of aged care industry to get people with different ideas of how they can communicate, and people can use different tools and things to recognise. But they use familiar designs but put new technology inside it. It's quite fascinating. It's great fun. And we're just about to make this incredible film, um, which I'll show you when I get over to America. It's hard to explain on the radio, on the on the phone, so it's, I won't try. But it's quite exciting. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to meet you in less than a week, so um, it'll, be, it'll be really a a pleasure and an honor to be able to meet with you and your group, that's for sure. So, um, Michelle, I think you had another question for Corinne? I do. Um, Corinne, you have a great idea for your next documentary. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. Well, um, I really am enjoying doing projects about the brain at the moment. It's something that really interests me. So, I had the idea to create a film. It's an autoethnographic piece, and that just means basically that I'm the guinea pig, and then I'm going to document my journey. And it's all around quitting sugar. 
So I think today a lot of people, this is completely off topic, but uh, consuming too much sugar and it's causing a lot of health issues um, and dementia as well, possibly even. I mean, that's a big call maybe, but um, I think it's causing a lot of health issues. And so the idea for my documentary is for me to actually go through the process of quitting sugar completely and then <laughs> documenting the effects that that has on me. So um, if I see an improvement in my memory, clearer thinking, less brain fog and that sort of thing. So that's what I'm about to embark on. Yeah. Well, well, that sounds fascinating. I have one friend that will be rooting you on because she's a big believer in getting rid of sugar and has done it herself, and and then she'll fall off the wagon and go back to it again, and she can tell the difference yeah. every single time she does it. I haven't got Yeah, well, yet, I'm two but... weeks in now, and it's a huge difference. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Well, we'll be we'll be definitely interested to see see your results on that, um, Colin. I know that you need to hit the road here pretty quick, but um, I was just going to ask you quickly. You know, you've won so many awards um, for the work that you've done, but could you tell us a little bit about the Positive um, Living in Age Care Award that you received? Yeah, that was about the um, integration of the, the children um, mm-hmm. and the environment. Um, so that was a state, federally, like a state fund uh, funded thing with the um, with the mental health of uh, New South Wales government. So it was um, about how to promote positive living in aged care. So it was basically we put in a nomination about how our integration with the children went. Um, bringing them into our dementia unit, and also in uh, in the environmental changes, and how that changed how that changed so much the the living and the environment for the people, and how it improved um, the quality of life, um, and also um, visiting rates. Um, so it's quite spectacular. And then we won in the international mental health awards from Australian New Zealand Mental Health about writing the book. So it's about giving people. Most of the awards is about giving people um, choice and decision-making and letting them make decisions and seeing what they can achieve. And then when we do that, like when they wrote the book, we had a big book launch like you would have at one of your book companies over there and we had you know, the champagne and all the food and all the relatives and, uh, and they sat up and they signed their books and, and um, it was very, very special. And that, that changed people's... Um, Lives and we re-interviewed twelve months later, and and some of those things that were just that one night was so impactful for some people that that helped with depression and all sorts of things. You know, people who've been through lots of traumas got to get got a chance to um, to talk about it and put it in the book, and then it let it go. You know, so um, that was very very good, and it was the most one of the most incredible things was there was a, a lady. His first job was Luna Park was like a big fun park, Coney Island, I suppose would be equivalent, where they had all rides and all sorts of things. And her first job was sitting on one of those bars when you threw the ball and they fell in the water. Mm-hmm. And the person sitting beside her was the first person who threw the ball and knocked her in the water, would you believe? All those years <laughs> later. And they were, sitting, they were living here together and they were writing their books. So... And that's how that happened. One memory would spark another memory, and then we, you know, and then they were that relationship went on there for over twelve months, sitting down talking about those sort of things, and that was a release of a lot of um, wartime 
and and marital problems that they discussed. And we have a secret women's group as well, so I'm not allowed to go into that. So I sit there and they talk about sex and all sorts of stuff. So. Do you want Do you want to give a plug for the book? So, do you want to look oh, at the it, well, title? Well, it's not out of print. No, we, no, it was no. It, it was a book, and I haven't. We run out of copies, so basically, it's, okay. it was you know self-published and and sold, okay. and then self-published and sold again. It was called um, a long, uh, yeah. Well, I got um, on the spot there. That's o- that's okay. If you want to. Email it to yeah, me I'd later. Yeah, I'd have to print more. I'd have to print more copies. And, you know, so. <laughs> no, it was one of those things we did, and yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to buy it. It's not on. Yeah. It's not on eBay or anything like Amazon or something like that. It was something okay. that we did here locally. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it was quite thank, exciting. I want to thank you both for the work that you're doing. I mean, it's just it's, it was such a privilege to talk with you both today and um, to to be able to share what it is you're doing with others is just absolutely spectacular like i said i can't wait to to meet you and and corinna i'm sure i'll meet you later on this year too when we all get together absolutely um, for the next project but um you're just it's it's fabulous and it's fascinating and and please please don't stop um we we need people like both of you so badly um that have the passion and the insight and the desire to just keep pushing forward and making change and and making it look easy. You know, that's, I think, one of the beautiful (laughs) things that that both of you did was you just, um, the film just shows the grace in which you really live life and embrace it, uh, no matter what the circumstances and no matter who we are, that we're all equal in terms of being able to do that. And and that's a a pretty beautiful thing. Um, and, And sad to say rare. And, and we need to change that uh, around the world. And I, th- I think your film is a great start at helping shift people's mindsets and hearts uh, to get to the place where you guys are at um, to make this happen in our dementia care culture. Um, Colin, what contact information would you like people to have for you? Uh, probably my email is best, which you've got there, if you want to put that up. So it's, okay. it's a big one, and, and it's hard not it's hard to say on the on the radio, radio. or on the phone, so yep. it's quite long. And that, yeah, so if you could put, that, is, if you could, and that yeah. is on the show page. Um, same with Crane's yeah, yeah, yeah. um, email, and her website is also out there, as well as Uniting um, Care's uh, website as well is out there. So you can just go to the home page and find that, or you can go to the blog and find it. So we'll have yeah. it all over. You can't find it, shoot me an email, and <laughs> I'll send it to you for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to thank you, Laurie, for having us on, and I'd really like to thank my bosses, Uniting Care Aging, who really let me have my own head to do things and support me in this process. And they also supported financially Kathy Greenblatt's tour out to Australia. So um, they invest a lot in in um, research and and development and trying to really improve the models of care for people living with dementia and and people in elderly people in in general, basically. So without them, I couldn't do what I'm doing. Oh, that's fantastic. We need more organizations like that that see the big picture and the impact they're making is, is truly unbelievable. It's it, it's far-reaching. And uh, it's one of those things where you can't even measure it, um, especially with social media. But, you know, this th- this film alone um, has, has gone so far. And even though you're just pushing that 3,000 viewers, that's not uh, that doesn't take into account the groups that have seen it together 
you know, of people and the people that are talking about it and bringing it out. It's one of those films that's going to have a long life um, because it's so valid and it's so rich. Um, and it really is uh, heartfelt and, and shifting, shifting mindset. So, again, thank you to all of you, Colin. I'll see you later on thank this you. week. And yes, yes, that's I, very exciting. And I, as yeah. I told you, I spent some time in Minnesota, so I want to share some of that time with you. It was quite, it was quite uh, life-changing. So it was an amazing time I had over there. So I'm looking forward to getting close to it, even if it's Wisconsin. And I'd yeah. love to say Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. You did good. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you a piece of Minnesota with me. I'm not quite sure what that will be, but I'll. I'll get one of the one of the ten thousand likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll see how I can get that in a suitcase for you. Yeah, right. Uh, that'll <laughs> be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's called bottled well, water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, you guys take care. And again, I appreciate all the time. I know that you are running off to another meeting. It's early morning over there in Australia. And, and again, is. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a and if okay. anyone, I was going to say, if anyone would like to get in touch with me to chat further about the film, I'm very open to that. So please just get in touch. And there's lots of uh, on the site about Kathy, Kathy Greenblatt's work as well. On, uh, on If you Google Kathy Greenblatt's work, she's got websites and all sorts of stuff too. So she's out there promoting the, the flight and the cause as well. So And as well yep. as yours, Laurie. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you. You guys have a great, a great day. We'll see you yeah, soon. Yeah, you have a great oh. evening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, before we wrap up the show here, I just do want to go into some mid-program um, highlights. And actually, it's kind of the end of show highlights. Um, I don't have another guest on after this one since this was a special edition here. Um, I wanted just to point out our last show we had Alzheimer's Disease International on that gave us some global updates. And then we have an author by the name of Shannon Werbinski who wrote a beautiful book called What Flowers Remember. And it's targeted to kind of middle grade school, but it is a fantastic adult book that will really touch your heart. She really has a nice way of writing. Our... Um, our next show, actually our, our regular scheduled show, will be tomorrow at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we're going to be talking about the importance of dementia awareness and training. And we're going to have Rita Anand on, um, who is the founder and president of Beyond the Golden Years. And she also has Dementia Angels. Um, our second guest tomorrow will be Elbin um, Mano, and he's a film producer, and he has produced a, a collection of um, films along with a scientific committee of geriatric doctors called uh, Remembrance, and it's it's pretty fascinating. So I think there will be a lot to learn, um, and again, we would love your calls or uh, your comments by chat uh, with us tomorrow. Our last Dementia Chats was back on the 6th, and that is where I interview people that have dementia, and we discussed how to live better with dementia, what others can do to help, and we discussed um, 
memory impairment cards um, and, and how they're used, um, as well as different types of dementia initiatives, both grassroots and medical models. Our next Dementia Chats is scheduled for the 24th, but I actually think that I'm going to um, cancel that one just because of my travel schedule. I think it might be a little bit too tight, and I'm never sure in hotels really what kind of coverage I'm going to get. So um, I'll keep you posted on that one. That might be down to the wire on, on what we decide on there. And then as far as blog postings, there was a, a post um, saying Happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are, who have been, and who will be fathers. There was a survey on dementia efforts, grassroots, and medical models, which we'd love you to participate um, in. It's just three short questions um, for that. And then also, I'm very interested to find out how you, if you're a person with dementia, if you're a family caregiver, if you're a business professional, an advocate, doesn't make any difference, how do you define grassroots effort? And how would you define kind of that medical academic model of care? Do you see a difference? Um, there was also an article on um, help stamp out dementia. And then um, I, again, want to just mention that the Alzheimer's uh, Research and Prevention Foundation is having their Father's Day contest, which is open until June 29th. And then, Michelle, you just wrote an article, too, last night. What was the name of that one? Um, in Their Eyes. In their eyes, I was going to say through their eyes, in their eyes. I couldn't, I couldn't remember on that one, and I wrote my script before I before that got posted, so I missed that one. So, um, well, Michelle, you did a great job as your as your launch off here as my co-host, and I appreciate your time and energy and all that you do for Alzheimer's Speaks. Uh, it's just been wonderful working with you, and uh, Michelle has also opened up a memory cafe which is pretty cool. So we'll have to have her come on and talk about that a little later on down the road as well. Anything else that you wanted to add? Any questions or comments um, after our conversation that you wanted to bring up with our audience? Uh, not that I can think of. I just, I'm going to go YouTube that video that we're talking about. So Yeah, it's way cool. It's way cool. I did post the link in the chat box there too, and I also have it. Um, on the on the I believe it's on the radio page and um, if not I will put it on there really quickly um, but I thought I put it on the radio page I know it's on the the blog post um, at Alzheimer's speaks there too so well good well thank you so much for joining us again Michelle and um, yeah. and for our audience if you want to again um, get behind the purple angel. Uh, program, just shoot me an email at Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com. Be glad to get you that information. If you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, don't forget uh, to check out Alzheimer's Disease International. And if you're looking for a holistic approach, please uh, check out uh, the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Uh, they're the same ones that have the contest going on. And then, again, the Lewy Body Foundation, the Frontal Temporal Lobe, and then the National Aphasia all are um, can address specific uh, symptoms uh, regarding dementia. 
if you're looking for a study for a frontal temporal lobe or for a tau study, go to alzheimerstudies.com or you can go to the Alzheimer's team on Facebook. Um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and close out. Um, again, you can find more information on our website at alzheimerspeaks.com. Have a great day, and I hope you can join us tomorrow morning for our next show. Thank you. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.